Can you take hats in a dignified and sophisticated manner? You mean like a weenie? Okay. May I take your hat, sir? May I take your hat, sir? May I... All right, I've heard enough. You've got the job. Miracle in Cell Number 7 is a Turkish drama film released in 2019 and directed by Mehmet Ada Ozetkin. Miracle in Cell Number 7 tells the story of Memo, a father with a mental disability who is wrongfully accused of murder. The movie is available on Netflix. Please consider watching this film before joining us for the discussion portion of the show. Spoiler alerts are ahead. In the year 2004, a woman named Ova is listening to the news on the day of her wedding. Ova is emotional upon hearing the news that capital punishment has been banned in Turkey. The film then flashes back to the year 1983, as Ova is walking with her mentally challenged father, Memo. Memo sells candy apples at a fair in order to accumulate money to buy Ova a backpack that she wants. When he gathers the money, Memo sees a military officer with his daughter buying the same backpack Ova wanted, resulting in an altercation between the two. One day while herding sheep, Memo is approached by several children. Among the children is a military officer's daughter, who tells Memo that she will give him the backpack if he catches her. Walking on the side of cliffs, the girl falls to her death. Memo attempts to save her, but is then mistaken of murdering the girl when officers arrive. Memo is sent to prison and sentenced to death. During his time in prison, Memo is attacked by his cellmates, most notably by Askorozlu, the leader of the cell. During an altercation with another inmate, Askorozlu is attacked, but Memo intervenes resulting in both men forming a friendship, as Memo later makes all the inmates aware of his innocence. Ova sneaks out of her home and leaves a note for her grandmother, explaining her intentions to reunite with her father, causing her grandmother to die of a heart attack. Ova is sneaked into the cell by Oskorozlu's friend. In the cell, Ova tells the rest of the inmates that she found a witness at the scene of the girl's death. When the inmates inform the chief warden of this, the military officer meets with the witness, only to kill him to ensure Memo's execution. The day of Memo's execution arrives. A riot breaks out in the prison delaying the execution. It is then revealed that Memo and Ova escaped the prison as one of the inmates volunteered to take Memo's place while the riot was organized for distraction. The film ends with Memo and Ova on a boat, aided by their chief warden as they escape and begin a new life. You know, it has come to our attention that Beer in a Movie with the We Side Boys has reached over 23 countries. Damn. God damn, brother. I don't even think I know the names of 23 countries. <laughs> <laughs> brother, I'm very proud of that, man. I was surprisingly like shocked about that. I was very happy. I was like rejuvenated about this shit, dude. This podcast, brother, this little podcast out of Escondido, mm-hmm. out of a dining room, yep. has reached over 23 countries. Yeah. Holy shit. But I don't think it reached Turkey, which is where this film takes place. And we'll get right into it. So welcome, everybody, to episode number 45. 45. Of Beer in a Movie with the Weast Side Boys, where your host, fantastic as always, I'm Tiki the Dominator. And I'm Danny. Holy shit, brother. 
a film out of Turkey. Mm-hmm. Miracle and Cell number seven. This was a film that was recommended by a dear friend of mine. We get into the shout out of the week as well as story time with Tiki. But I got to say, brother, I was pleasantly surprised with this film. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed it. You know how I am with foreign films. Yeah. And let's get right into it, brother. The discussion, because the discussion of this uh, episode did not start with opening up these two beers. What? A daily double? A daily double, brother. Oh, all right. So uh, let them know what we're drinking tonight, brother. Let them know. Tonight we are drinking from Fall Brewing Plenty for All California Pilsner. I already took a swig, brother, because this shit's exploding. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is pretty good. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's actually really smooth. And second, our double fister. Uh, I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> we'll, we'll check that in one post. Is uh, the Moosehead Canadian Lager. Established in 1867. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love me some of this shit, man. Mm-hmm. This is nice. Yeah, nice uh, green bottle beer again. Yeah. We've been going with some green bottles lately, bro. Yeah. Okay, so for some of you out there wondering, what the fuck does a Canadian beer and where's this beer from, brother? It's It's like local. German-inspired, right, though? Is that what it's saying? California Pilsner? Um, I don't know. It's just I, a Pilsner. I thought I heard, saw some shit that it was like inspired by Germany or something like that. But anyway, y'all are wondering, fuck, do these beers got to do with Turkey? So I thought this like this beer from Fall Brewing was inspired by like Germany. So Germany's like close enough from fucking Turkey. All right. And then there's a Canadian one that I'll get into in a little bit because it it, uh, it associates with my story time with Tiki segment, man. We get another swig, bro. This is actually real nice. Mm. Yeah, they're very contrasting beers. It's very weird to drink them both together. Yeah. But they're good. I'm digging Moosehead, man, the lager from mm-hmm. Canada. That's your front runner? Yeah. Okay. I like it a lot, man. What are, what are your thoughts on this real quick, though, before I get into it, man? Uh, I like both, actually. I know, they're, right? They're, pretty, but they're, they're both solid. I feel like they're different moods. I'm drinking, like, I feel like I'm drinking a breakfast beer and then a, a evening beer or something. Mm. I, I don't know if that's the right analogy I'm trying to make. <laughs> it feels like I'm I'm drinking two different beers for two different times, so it's yeah. kind of clashing. This Canadian beer reminds me of that 70s show. What are you doing in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one. No, dude. Uh-uh. That's like one of my favorite episodes of that 70s show but all right brother well you ponder off uh the ranking of both these beers it's time for our shout out of the week and story time with tiki as well i actually got two uh two uh two stories today man Mm -hmm. i got permission for one of them nice (laughs) all right and shout out of the week goes to my dear friend i've never called her by her real name it is lisette baeza but everybody knows her as it is liz cheers liz cheers Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for gifting us both these beers, for recommending this fantastic movie that is Miracle and Cell Number 7. I had no introduction to this movie, man. So it's nice when people give me some films that are actually worth checking out, and then I am like pleasantly surprised by them. So one more bottoms up to Liz. I'm going to take this uh, Moosehead Lager right here. Cheers. Mm-hmm. And now, brother, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Story time with Tiki, but let's do this shit. Let's do it. All right, bro. So... The first one I'm going to bring up, right? Because this has something to do with uh, the association of this beer. This Canadian, right? Mm -hmm. So one time, Liz and I, we were talking about uh, like guilty pleasures of songs. Okay. Right? (laughs) And I straight up said, hey, you know, a guilty pleasure, a song I like straight up, 
is Turn Off the Light by Nelly Furtado. Have you, have you heard that one, dude? I If I heard it, I probably would know it. Fuck, but I, don't I, remember. I haven't heard that song in a long time. Uh-huh. I haven't seen the video in many, many years. Uh-huh. There's a part in the video, dude, where she's wearing these like ugly ass, like lime green pants. <laughs> and she's wearing like a pink tank top. And I just thought she looked so sexy, dude, just ooh, dancing in it, dude. So sexy. <laughs> so, ooh, so sexy, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, dude. Oh, man. She was gorgeous in that video. Natural beauty. Dude, and I've seen a like a picture of her recently. She still looks amazing, dude. Mm. But yeah, well, anyways, man. So the reason I bring up this story, man, is like, um, I, there's a part in the chorus, dude, where I told her, like, oh, man, I like that part in the chorus where she just like, she says gibberish and shit. Okay. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, you know, that part when she goes blah, 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 like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she starts dying and she's laughing. Yeah. And she's like, dude, it's not gibberish. She's saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. <laughs> like really fast. And dude, when I tell you, brother, that I felt fucking stupid. Uh-huh. Dude, have, do you remember Power Rangers? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Bulk and Skull? The the they were like the bullies of the Power Rangers. Oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah dude they have like a theme song mm-hmm. when they like they get introduced in the episode. Yeah. That fucking theme song was playing in my head because I think of I hear that song when I feel fucking stupid. Dude. <laughs> like oh dude cue the fucking song dude. Hopefully you can make it happen. Brother. Do you remember the song? I don't know the name of it or who sings it. Uh, Why can't we be friends? War. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. My mom had a story. She said like one time her friend was singing that song, mm-hmm. but she was singing. She thought they said, I can't breathe this air. <laughs> so I think uh, I think that's worse, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, at least those are words. I was just going <laughs> blah, 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 like, you know, I'm, yeah, sounding, but, I'm sounding like fucking Electabuzz. But that's fucking, pretty fucking yeah. bad. How do you? Uh, those are words, but they're not the right ones. Are yeah. you close? <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> Holy shit. So that's story number one, brother. Here's story number two. And I had to get permission <laughs> to tell this one. So nice. shout out to my good brother, Alonzo Sayas. Love you, Toto. Hope you're well, brother. Much love to you and the family. All right. So it was Liz's birthday, bro. I want to say this was 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's, it's a while ago. Yep. All right. So I thought it would be a good idea to get uh, a banana and two scoops of rainbow sherbet ice cream mm-hmm. to make a pito, you know? like Oh, with, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... A lot of times, like, yeah, dude, that's fucking funny. Let's go do it. So we had to go and get like the the stuff for it, you know. Uh-huh. So imagine this: dude, there's two dudes, all right, getting going to the store, buying a bunch of beer, and then a little pint of rainbow sherbet ice cream and a banana. <laughs> looks kind of, you know, it looks kind of weird. Uh-huh. So fucking the uh, lady ringing us up, she looks at us when she sees the items, and Alonzo goes, "We're not gay." <laughs> 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 yeah, bro. It was it was fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Told Liz the story afterwards when she came over and had her banana with two scoops of rainbow sherbet ice cream. It was fuck. I used to have a picture of it, man. <laughs> but man, pictures back in two thousand eight on little flip phones just aren't around anymore. Yeah. So those are the stories, brother. This is story time with Tiki. Shout out to my dear friend Liz. Love you, Liz. Much love to you and the family. Mm-hmm. Bottoms up right there. And uh send the best to everyone, including your wonderful mother, who she could not say she could not say my name, brother. She couldn't say Tiki. Mm-hmm. She always just called me Tachis. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it always made me laugh. What a wonderful Cheers. lady she is. So much love to you, Liz, and to the family. Much love to all of you guys. Bottoms up. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brother, if you don't mind it, let me rank this beer first, yeah? Go for it. 
I'm dude, I'm I have both of these beers right here in front of me, man. I keep going back to this moosehead lager, man. Mm-hmm. This is fucking good, man. Uh I am kind of a beer snob as far as like the 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 green bottles and shit. Yeah. I don't mind this one fucking bit, man. Fuck it. Give me four stars, brother. I'm nice. really digging this, man. Yeah. And then as far as the fall one, uh, I'm not taking as many squigs as I as much as the other one. Let me get one more right here. Mm-hmm. This is still very good, man. Mm-hmm. I prefer the lagers over pilsners, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still very solid. Give me three stars out of five for this, brother. Nice. I like both these beers. These are both like really good. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, for me, I'll go in the opposite order. I'll do the fall, plenty for all. Uh, this beer's actually pretty good. I am drinking the Moosehead more, uh, but I think, as I said earlier, it's more of like a mood. I think I'm more in a Moosehead green bottle beer right now. Mm-hmm. But this Pilsner is still very good. I'm going to give the Pilsner... A 3.5 out of 5. It's good. very very smooth. Cool. Um, it's just going down easy. Yeah. And as for the Moosehead Lager, this is another green bottle beer, but it is very good. We've been on a good green bottle beer streak, I would say. We have been. We have been. This one, it has that green bottle beer taste, but it's not skunky. It's very smooth, very crisp. Mm-hmm. It's a lager, so you know, you're know you not going to shatter the earth with uh, revelations <laughs> from it, but... <laughs> It's yeah. still it's still very good. I'm gonna give this one a four out of five. Fuck yeah, brother! Mm-hmm. And oh, dude, and I, I I can't believe I almost forgot the reason, um, for the story time for this shit uh-huh. is that Nelly Furtado is Canadian. <laughs> okay, I for- completely <laughs> fucking forgot that. Sometimes you forget the you forget the destination, but it's yeah, all it's, about the journey, right? Yeah, it's because all I hear is blah, 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 that bullshit <laughs> while I'm drinking this, man. All right, those solid fucking records. These are both solid beers, man. Mm-hmm. Love them both, man. But all right, brother, now we got that out of the way. Let's get into this film. That is Miracle and Soul number seven. Let's do it. I don't have an introduction to this. Liz recommended it to me. I went out of my way. I checked out with the premise of it, checked out a trailer, thought it looked very compelling, and watched the movie, and I was pleasantly surprised, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how I am with foreign films, man. Yep. I absolutely dig them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have anything. Like, when we do the segment later for notable work from the actors and actresses, mm-hmm. directors, well, everything is completely new, so I don't have anything. Although later, I will bring up some, since this takes place in Turkey, I do have two Turkey films that if you enjoyed this one, uh, you might go out of your way to check them out. But that more on that a little bit later. All right. So let's get into the premise of this film, bro. Is that a mentally challenged father is falsely accused of murder. Mm. Right. So that's some deep shit right there. And I have a soft spot for the handicap because I have a decade of experience working with them. So off the back, I just want to say that the acting in this, especially by Memo, the gentleman that plays Memo mm-hmm. was fucking phenomenal, man. Mm-hmm. It was excellent as fuck, dude. Gotcha. And dude, you actually, because this has been remade in the Philippines, <laughs> in yeah. Korea, I believe. You actually checked out some of the episodes by accident, right, bro? Yeah, I fucked up. I uh, you fucked up. Yep, I definitely <laughs> fucked up. I watched the original uh, Korean one yeah. that was made in 2013, and I got two thirds of the way through. Before I texted you, like, what the fuck, man? Like, I think I texted you, only one part of this movie has made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were like, oh, I think you're you're watching the wrong one. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, no, we're checking out this one. I'm like, oh, God yeah, damn it. I sent you the poster, too. Yeah, and, uh, these are long movies. Yeah. So I was like an, already an hour and a half in, and I was like, God damn it. You got to give up another two hours of your life, brother. <laughs> yeah, but the, the Korean one, it was goofy. It was like, 
it was like more lighthearted and joking around and kind of like ridiculous. It kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of like a straight to DVD, like Hallmark type movie. Mm. And I was like, what? Um, You're probably wondering like, fuck, we're going to review this shit. Yeah, I, I was. I was uh. going to give it a completely different rating than I gave this one. Uh. And then I started checking out the, I, I think it was the, either the Indian remake or the Filipino remake, Philippine remake. I'm sorry. Um, and then I was like, no, this isn't right, because he said Turkish. And I don't see any of these characters that were on the, the cover. Mm-hmm. So then I finally, third time's a charm, watched the right one. <laughs> and that's my introduction. I had never seen this movie. Yeah. I went into it blind three times. <laughs> <laughs> that's some shit right there, bro. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So let's get into these characters, man. There are a grip of them. So bear with me here. Uh, I already mentioned Memo, who is the main character. He is the gentleman that... Uh, is mentally challenged. He has a daughter. All right. Her name is Ova. And I'm not going to say like their actual names because I, I'm going to butcher them. And also there is a grip of them. Uh, there is other characters along the way. Uh, the next one I'm going to bring up is Askorozlu. And this is the gentleman that's like kind of like the leader of the cell. Yeah. Right. He's uh, I, you know, at first I wanted to call him that he was like the hot tempered one. Mm-hmm. But when there's like the whole introduction to all of them in the cell, there's someone that's like fucking yelling all crazy. Mm-hmm. So then it wouldn't really make sense because I don't want people to watch it and then be like, OK, that's him. Yeah. And yeah. she like, so I'm not going to say that. But all I'll say is that he's the leader yeah. of the cell. All right. Then we're going to get to Aiden, who is the officer. Uh, He is the officer whose daughter uh, gets killed. She or she doesn't get killed. She she accidentally falls to her death. And this is how Memo gets sent to prison because uh, they get conf- he tries to save her and gets confused that he was the murderer of her. All right. So Aiden, the officer. And then we're going to get to Mine, who is the teacher. She is the teacher of, excuse me, right here. Ugh, damn, that's a burp right there. That's a lager burp right there, brother. Yeah. All right. Mine is the teacher of uh, Ova. Uh, she actually plays like it's somewhat of an important part because uh, I don't want to get too much into it before we break this movie down. Uh, they might as well just bring up the grandmother whose name is Fatma. Yep. To me, bro, she was like like the character that I thought was the most genuine, in my opinion. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, I, I really liked her character, man. She's like the embodiment of what a good person should be. Or a caring grandmother, you know. In all the versions of this movie, this is the only one where the main character, the mentally handicapped person, he has a grandma that takes care of him. In the other ones, he was pretty high functioning. Mm -hmm. He was self-sufficient. It was just him and his daughter. But this is the only one where he is the most mentally handicapped and he needs somebody to take care of him pretty much. Mm. I got to check them out, brother. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you'll like them. Uh, I have no choice. If you check them out, I kind of have to now. Well, I saw two thirds of the original and then like <laughs> 10 minutes of the Philippine one and then all of this one. So, I mean, if it's that bad, I'll probably just make me take a nap then and I can go for some sleep. Mm-hmm. All right. Two more characters I like to bring up, brother. And that is the chief warden of this. Mm. His name is Nile. Right. He does come into effect a lot in the film. Uh, we also have actually I'm going to bring up another character that. It, uh, basically, the the chief warden's right hand man is a man named Farouk. Mm-hmm. He is like a, a he's like an officer as well, but he's kind of like in command. He comes off as a total dick yeah. in the film, dude. He turns right? around at the end, though. He does, yeah. 
And then the last character I want to bring up is like, he's like a distant inmate. Like in the cell, there's like, I want to say like eight or nine mm. uh, inmates, but there's one that's always off to the side and he comes very important at the end. His name is Yusuf. All right. So those are some of the characters to keep track of. And brother, why don't we say a couple uh, double fists? I know you didn't say you didn't want to say that. <laughs> Two sips, brother. And then we'll dive into the plot of this movie. That is Miracle Sun number seven. Bottoms up, brother. Cheers. Mm. There's one. Here's two. Mm. That lager, brother. Holy mm. shit, man. Mm. <laughs> All right. So the film begins, brother, in the year 2004. And it is Ova. It is her wedding day. Right? She's hearing the news of capital punishment. All right? One thing I got to say, man, is that I have a gripe about it already. Mm-hmm. Like in the, in, cause like once I've seen the ending of the film and shit like that, that I'm gonna bring up to very later. Okay. Okay. But Ova, this is the year 2004. She's, she's, it's her wedding day. She's got her wedding dress on. She's listening to the news that capital punishment has been banned in Turkey. And then the film flashes back to the year 1983. So this is Ova now as a little girl. She is in school. She's given an award by her teacher. This is the introduction to Mine. A lovely lady. Her name mm-hmm. is Denise Baisal. Just had to bring that up there. Because I, I know I got, I'm got. i butchering the fucking names and yeah. shit like yeah, that. Yeah, you're doing a better job than me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, brother. And then afterwards, brother, after she gets her award, this is the introduction to Memo. When uh, Memo's picking her up from school, you can see that fucking kids are like clowning on his disability and shit. Mm. To where Mine comes and kind of like shames the kids and shit like that. Yeah. Bro, I, I know I've already brought it up, brother. But I just got to say, like, the acting from the gentleman that plays Memo it's fantastic, brother. Like a decade for me of experience working with the handicap, the mannerisms, okay. the the like the little twitches that he does and shit like that. Mm. The speech, even like, dude, I don't fucking speak Turkish. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't speak their language, but I can tell even with that that it is spot on, dude. It is very believable. Yeah, it's good to have your perspective on that because for me, I thought he was kind of like overplaying it a little too much, mm. but I don't have a whole lot of experience with the handicapped. I did have a handicapped cousin, but I didn't spend a whole uh, lot of time with him. Yeah. But originally I thought he hammed it up, but I quickly realized that they're going for a more serious tone in this yeah. one and it actually fits pretty well. Uh, it's fucking fantastic, brother. Mm. But yes, going forward now, uh, Ova, uh, they're, um, excuse me, Memo and Ova are walking back home. On the way home, uh, they see a backpack from it's it's they call it a Heidi backpack, which, yeah. I'm, which I'm a, I'm assuming it's a cartoon back in the day. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in here and say in the Korean one and the other one it was Sailor Moon. Ah, they, okay. they even do the Sailor Moon song, but for this one I guess it doesn't make sense in Turkey. They probably don't, yeah. they're not big Sailor Moon fans. So <laughs> this one is Heidi. Heidi, yes, mm-hmm. and the backpack is very expensive. So yep. you know, Memo doesn't. He doesn't have a job. He can't, like, at least like like a legitimate one, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then to that, we get the introduction to uh, the grandma, Ova's grandmother, mm-hmm. which is Memo's mother, Fatma. She is a very genuine person. I thought she was such a fantastic character. And there's a conversation that Fatma has with Ova where Ova is asking like, hey, why is my dad not like the others? Uh-huh. You know? And then, uh, oh, dude, like basically, like Fatma says... You know, if anybody says anything to them, like, I'll rip their heads off and shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I just think, like, the writing in this was so good because, like, you you definitely, like, it's so evident right there that she cares so much about yeah uh, about Memo. 
And I like how she says to that your dad is special because he's the same age as you. Mm-hmm. And the little girl's eyes like light up. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just because like the intellectual of it, huh? Because mm-hmm. he's not up there and stuff like that. Yeah. And the one thing I want to say too, because it does come like later on, is that because when you see this, you see that Memo is with he has a daughter. So you're probably wondering where is his mother or mm-hmm. her mother? Yeah. Um. And then, uh, excuse me, Ova. She tells Fatma, uh, he's like, well. Like, my dad, you know, he, he's not going to go away like my mom. Mm-hmm. So then you start, like, asking questions. It's like, fuck, okay, where is she? More on that a little later. All right? Like, I did mention, though, Memo does not have, like, a stable job, obviously, with his disability. So what he has to do is that he has to start selling candy apples. Yeah, well, he wants to make up the money to buy the, the, backpack. the backpack, right? Yeah. So he's also selling candy apples at the parade tomorrow, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say those... Candy apples look bomb as fuck. Bomb as fuck, bro. I know, that's like the one thing I noticed. But also, he he doesn't have a job necessarily because they live on like this beautiful like mm-hmm. Turkish villa. I would mm-hmm. say I would the the setting in this one is is gorgeous. gorgeous. Yep. Oh, dude, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I have that right? on my notes, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is, dude. Like cinematography wise, uh-huh. I don't think they had to do too much to make it look stunning. No, it just it just great. looked fucking great. Like, huh? I want to go live there. <laughs> Fuck, it looks amazing. Yeah. And you know how bomb those candy apples were, bro? Yeah. You know they're fucking bomb because you text me about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, man, those candy apples look bomb as fuck. Yes, man. So but, oh, wait, I will say the last thing is is since he lives on like this farm, you know, this cottage or whatever it is, mm-hmm. he is a shepherd. Yes. With a sheep. Yes. That's that's like his main job. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then once at this, like I thought it was more like a fair, but you said it was like a uh like what, a parade, a parade. Yeah, that's that's much better for the military, right? Mm-hmm, yep. The military, the Turkish military soldiers and stuff like that. So while this is going on, man, we see uh, the introduction to Aiden, to who is the what, that I had mentioned already that uh, his daughter's one that Seda, to her right? Death. It was a Seda, yeah. Seda, Seda, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh fuck! Why did I say Seda? That's bad. If you know Spanish, brother, like I'll tell you afterwards what that okay. fucking means, dude. Okay. But anyways, dude. Uh, well, th- well, that's going on. We have like somewhat of a subplot, bro. Is that you see the military, uh, like marching and shit like that. Yep. And there is a soldier. He's tying his boots, and then he fucking goes AWOL. Yep. He is a deserter. I don't believe they give this motherfucker a name. No, I don't think they ever do. You're right. He's just like a deserter, mm-hmm. right? So he goes into the mountains and shit like that. And then th- that's it's like really quickly. You're probably wondering, I was like, when I watched this, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, who is this fucker? Mm. You know, it does come very important later, man. Yeah. So let's not forget about this deserter. We're going to call him that, right, brother? Yeah. A deserter. All right. So like I mentioned now, it goes back to the parade. Uh, Memo is selling these bomb ass looking fucking candy apples. Uh, And then this is where he gathers up all the money, where he sees uh, Aiden, the officer, Mm. where he fucking buys the backpack that Ova wanted. But he buys it for his daughter. Mm-hmm. And because of this, there's an altercation, which like, yay, yeah, like I know it's not like right to hit a fucking anybody in general. Yeah. In this case, a handicap. But Aiden or excuse me, Memo did put his hands on him. Yeah. You but, don't. Yeah. But again, yeah, you don't. Come on, dude. Like, you can tell that he's especially in this version in the all three versions that I saw. This happens the same way. They they the backpack is bought by somebody else. And then uh, the handicapped gentleman, he. Throws a fit and then he puts his hands on mm-hmm. the person. But he's, you could, in this one especially, you can tell that he is handicapped. Mm-hmm. So there's really no reason to hit him. 
Yeah. And the other ones, it's a little more bit more ambiguous. And I think it's a shopkeeper usually that uh, is the one that actually punches them. But in mm-hmm. this one, it's the military commander. Military officers in the 1980s, man. Mm. They didn't give a shit about that, huh? <laughs> yeah. They just said, fuck it. They're at these parades. They're holding the guns with kids and they're like yeah. fucking within the distance and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think the safety of Memo at this point, he didn't give a fuck. Dude. Aiden, what a piece of shit he was, dude. Uh, but yes, to go forward, brother. Uh, now we're going to where like uh, Ova and and Memo go back home, right? And then Fatma is like asking like, "Oh, why are you sad? Did you not get your backpack?" Mm-hmm. And Ova uh, Ova says, "Well, it's not that I didn't get the backpack that I'm sad. It's that uh, my dad got hit." Mm-hmm. And then you see Fatma like consoling Memo, man. And this is what I love so much about her, man, because because like I'm very close to my grandmother, dude. Yeah. And like, uh, like uh, in this case, like Fatma is is uh, Memo's mother, mm-hmm. so you just know that like how he consoles her and or consoles him and everything, dude. It's like she genuinely cares about him so yeah. much, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's so just it's just so heartwarming, man. I, to me, Fatma was such a fantastic character, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Going forward, brother, uh, there's now the scene where like shit starts hitting the fan a little bit, where there's like a, a barbecue pretty much for the military officers that are rather like the military unit. Mm-hmm. You see, they're all there with their children and shit like that. Memo is herding his sheep, like you just mentioned. He's a sheep herder. Uh, he gets approached by a bunch of children, and one of them is Aiden's daughter, the same little girl that got the backpack that Ova wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, she says to him, like, hey, I have the backpack. I will give it to you if you can catch me. As in, like, uh, like did you did it come off, bro, that they were kind of, like, teasing him with his disability? Or was, oh, that, or was it genuine, do you think? All the kids were teasing him because yeah. they said, hey, look, it's that moron. Or mm. they said, call him, like, an idiot or something. And they're making fun of him. He's kind of scared at first. But Seda, uh, she is a little bit more playful. I don't think she's, she's yeah. as mean as the other one. Mm-hmm. But she's not very smart. But, again, she's, like, what, like, five or six? Yeah. So. yeah. To me, that made it more just for the dramatics, huh? That she wasn't the the mean one saying all the bad things. Yeah. Right. She she just said like, "Oh, I'll give you this backpack if you play with me. You can catch me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and then you can kind of assume what happens next, man. They go. They're on the side of cliffs. She falls. She hits her head on the rocks. Falls into the fucking water. That's brutal. Yeah. Memo goes into the water to try to save her. Uh, dude, it was so fucking sad when he has her. Mm-hmm. And like he tries, he gets her like onto like the shore. Yeah. And he's kind of like from from very much afar, like asking his grandmother or his mother for advice, even though obviously she can't hear him. You know, yeah. it's like, what would you do, mother? Like, what would you do? What would you do? And I just like the whole like slow motion where uh, one thing I did notice is that uh, I forgot to mention. I'm sorry, is that uh, during the barbecue with the military unit and their wives, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Aiden's uh, wife says to one of the sons, he's like, hey, where's your daughter? And he's like, oh, he's playing with the crazy man. Yep. So that makes Aiden go and look for them, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're all after going to find yeah. uh, Seda. Mm-hmm. And I just like the whole slow motion of them walking to Memo as Memo's holding Seda. And she's already dead, bro. But fucking, hey, bro, the fucking acting on this between Aiden was amazing, dude. I thought the acting here was superb. Yeah. Like, the cries look very genuine. I thought the uh, his wife was a little over the top. Mm-hmm. But to me, Aiden's acting was fucking fantastic, dude. Mm-hmm. They look, they sounded like genuine cries. And then he takes the gun. Yep. He shoots it and shit. And then just the symbolism 
with the backpack in the water. Mm -hmm. mm, good shit right there, man. Good shit right there on the director, man. Uh, next scene, brother. Now, now Memo, he's taken, right? They say, oh, he fucking murdered this, this little girl. Yep. He goes into jail. He gets interrogated. He's beaten to shit, brother. Oh, and then they even get, like, I put this in quotes. They get a confession out of him. Mm -hmm. Because the poor kid, the poor guy, dude, he he's trying to explain what is happening. But intellectually, he cannot fucking do it. Yeah. But they fucking force him to put the handprint, the fingerprints. Yeah. They force a confession out of him that uh, they just obviously fucking bullshit, you know, and then they sentence him. Um, and then what, what pissed me off, too, dude, was that when Fatma like and, and gets there outside of the jail, um, the premise of the jail, right, with uh, Ova, mm -hmm. she wants she demands this, uh, she talks with an officer demanding to like fucking see uh, Memo. And then the fucking officer says, oh, well, Memo drowned the girl. It's mm -hmm. like, fuck her. Like, this is an obvious fucking lie because fucking Memo didn't drown her. You can clearly see that she hit her fucking head on the on the rock. Yeah. And there's she was bleeding profusely, dude. So it's like, are they fucking making this out that he drowned her? That's total bullshit, though. Yeah, I think in this one they say that they accuse him of choking her and drowning her or mm -hmm. something. But yeah, she hits her head. And the other ones, the other versions, I think it's worse. They set it up. It looks a lot worse. Mm -hmm. the, the other ones, the girl, she slips on ice or something and hits her head, and then a brick falls from some. Oh shit! So, and then the the guy he he looks in really like a bad position when they find him. And this one, I think it's more believable for it mm -hmm. not to be that bad looking. Mm -hmm. But I don't know when they when they go to uh, like the interrogations and stuff, mm -hmm. they keep going back to the deserter, the one that went AWOL. Yeah. And then you see him that he goes and hides his belongings inside rocks mm -hmm. and shit like that. And that includes like his guns, mm -hmm. uh, all that shit, right? And then they go back to the cell, the, the same cell that uh, Memo's being taken to, which is cell number seven. This is the introduction to all of the inmates, man. Uh, most notably is Oscorozlu. Mm -hmm. Oscorozlu is the leader of this cell, right? And then you also have the introductions to the warden, uh, the chief warden, who is his name is Niall that I mentioned, and his right hand man Farouk, who is a piece of shit at least earlier on, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he's Farouk is basically uh, like the right hand man of yeah. Niall. He uh, he's he's kind of like uh, the the intimidator. Uh, whenever like the warden needs something, Farouk is there to like kind of intimidate, put in order, yep, and shit like that. So one thing is that they make the warden. He says, don't let the others know what he did. And the reason why is because if the inmates find out what Memo supposedly did, right, allegedly, right, is that they're going to fucking kill him. Of course, they're going to want to fucking kill someone who killed a little girl, innocent little girl. But uh, Aiden, like, he he wants the satisfaction of wanting to see Memo get his execution. Mm -hmm. And that's why they tell him, I don't want nobody to fucking lay a finger on him and shit like that. Yep. Right. Oh, dude, and then, dude, there's this, like, really sad part for me that I saw is that when, like, Memo, is he's with the, all the inmates, and they're, like, getting stripped, right? And then, like, the the officer that's right there, dude, he's, like, really impatient because, like, like poor Memo, dude, he's beating his shit. Yeah. He's, you got to imagine, like, everything that's happening to him, he's, like, kind of in shock, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, they're, they're telling him or all the inmates, you need to strip down. And he's having, like, a hard time, like, taking off his shirt. To one of the inmates, like starts like helping him, and he's still taking his time. But the fucking in, uh, impatient like officer just fucking like slams on the table, 
and just like his reaction to like the like the shots and everything like he's like he's like covering his head right yeah it was just so believable and just so genuine that he's been through he's been put through so much shit mm -hmm. like oh it was so sad it's it's such a short scene dude but that one second of him reacting to it just like ah oh, man it like pulled out my fucking heartstrings dude hmm. i thought it was so fucking sad yeah go back and watch that scene bro it's maybe fucking three seconds long hmm. but that little scene brings out so much okay all right now we go back to the deserter. Like it did mention, it goes back and forth. It cuts back and shit. The deserter is now in these fucking like, like this rock area, right? Where I just said he- He's he, in some ruins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like where he put his belongings and shit. Mm -hmm. And Olvag just happens to be there and finds him. And she asks him like, hey, uh, like my, there's a little girl that died around here. Like, did you see it? And sure enough, he says, I did. Mm -hmm. I saw everything. Yeah. So now we got a witness. Yep. We got a fucking witness here. So there's a little bit of hope. So that uh, Memo doesn't have to fucking be executed and shit. However, bro, uh, you, I just said, right, that like Farouk was told, don't tell any of the inmates what the fuck happened. Yep. Right? So a different officer ends up telling, telling excuse me, a Skorozlu what he fucking did, what Memo did. So what happens? He gets put in the cell and a Skorozlu and all the inmates beat the shit out of Memo, man. Yeah. Right? Fucking brutal. They fuck him up. Uh he gets word of it, obviously. Uh, Aiden, the the officer, fucking phone calls Farouk and says, what the fuck? Like, I told you, nobody lays a fucking finger on him. Mm. I want to see his execution, right? Yep. To where Farouk goes in, he fucking threatens all the inmates. Like, anybody fucking does anything to them, you're all fucking dead. Yeah. But right here, but I got a bit of a flaw, though, because it does say, or more of a nitpick, actually. Um, it does say that after the scene that 10 days have passed. Mm -hmm. However, like when, when uh, Memo is like in the infirmary, mm -hmm. they tell him, they're like, oh, it's a miracle he's alive. He has all these broken bones and shit mm -hmm. like that, right? 10 days later, he's walking around. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with that. Yeah, 10 days later to, for what they made it out seem to be, 10 days does not seem long enough for him to be up on his feet calling it a miracle and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, I don't know if it's like nitpicking on me and shit like that. Hmm. A little bit too soon in my talk, in my opinion. Yeah. But now now let's go forward with some of the inmates. Like, they're very, like, minor. But, uh, oh, man, forgive me for fucking getting his name. But there, there's an inmate who's very religious mm -hmm. in this. He's got the whole, like, little hat. Uh, excuse me. I'm blinking right now on what religion he could possibly be. Uh, I, but you know who I'm talking about, yes. right, bro? Okay, so he, he does talking about a suicide talk between the inmates and what will happen if you commit suicide. Uh, the afterlife and shit mm. like that, right? So let's remember that. Let's not forget that part, okay? Uh, going forward, the memo, he begins to write uh, writing letters for Ova. But fuck, they never get sent, bro. Yeah. Did you, did you see that, yeah, right? Yeah, they rip it up and throw it away like, immediately. Like immediately, right? So yeah. it's like fucking hope is like torn as soon as it's fucking sent. Mm -hmm. Ah, bullshit, man. Fucking yeah. assholes, man. Uh, poor thing, guys. Yeah, days that like pass and shit like that, Ova keeps going back to the ruins part because he needs to find this deserter, mm -hmm. right? But he here's the thing about this deserter, bro. It's that he went AWOL. Mm -hmm. So he can't like, he can't just say, oh, I'm a witness. I saw everything. Yep. Because he's fucked either way, dude. Yep. If, if he goes and admits that, oh, yeah, I, I saw it all. It's like, oh, why were you there? Oh, it's because I fucking went AWOL. Oh, you're fucking dead then. Or you're put in prison and shit like that. Yeah. So he's in a fucked up situation. So... Like, you don't really blame him for not fucking showing up back at the ruins and shit. Mm -hmm. uh, do have a little bit of a flaw I got to put up later, though. Um, yeah. But then because of this shit, dude, like, Ova, she keeps going back to the ruins, right? And she keeps, like, skipping school. 
So this is where the teacher comes back, Mine, right? And she tells uh, Ova, is like, hey, let's start a petition. Let's get your father out. Uh, he's an innocent man. Mm-hmm. However, they do have a scene like immediately after where Memo is actually sentenced to death. Yep. And that is fucked up, man. But uh, Mine, Fatma, and Ova end up going to the jail. And like Ova speaks with Memo, but fuck, this part was like so fucking sad to me because obviously they don't want to like fucking, they can't see each other, right? Mm-hmm. They want to forbid them from fucking seeing any of the family. Um, Ova kind of escapes from where they're at. Mm-hmm. So there's these like walls, yeah, right? Walls, yep. And then uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that the way Ova and and Memo communicate, they say they say like lingo, 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 mm-hmm. right? And then he'll say like bottles yep. or something like that. Yep. So. Oh, man, this part was so sad. Like, seeing Ova just yelling, uh, lingo, 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 and then Memo hears it. Mm-hmm. And he says, bottles. So then they're, like, talking to each other. and it's it, But they're separated by a few walls. Yep. They're fucking high up there, dude. It's like you're so far, yet so, like, so close, yet so far away. Ah, that shit got me, bro. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, ah. <laughs> but the one thing I got to say, bro, is that, like, when they fucking, like, they, they realize that Ova's gone. Four officers tried to take her away. It doesn't take four officers to carry a little girl like that. Dude. Did you notice that? <laughs> I didn't notice that, but uh, I'll agree. Okay, well, while that's going on, dude, you see how they, uh, like, Memo reacts to this shit? I'd be fucking devastated, bro. Mm-hmm. Right? You can see that the inmates are somewhat sympathetic now how they're looking on at it. Uh-huh. And they start, like, talking amongst each other. Like, yeah, he shouldn't be here, man. Maybe mm-hmm. he is innocent and shit like that. Yeah, they keep saying his brain is the size of a pea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this is where, um, they, they, then they get to a scene where Memo starts talking about the mother, Ova's mother, which, bro, I got a little confused right here, bro. So maybe you can shed some light on this. Maybe okay. you saw it from a different angle because we don't really know exactly what happened. Yeah. Right. We all we do know is that she died, right? Because mm-hmm. he says that oh, she's an angel. Yes. Right. But like what I thought, because in this story, because they, they ask him, they're like, hey, so where's the mother? Like, how did it happen? Yeah. And he says, oh, well, my mom made me meet this woman. And uh, they are, so basically it's like an arranged marriage, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then he says, but there was no wedding. So yeah. so there's some theories behind it, right, bro? Yeah. So what I think, well, I'll start off by saying that in the Korean version, they never explained how he had his daughter. And I remember I texted you like, all I want to know at this point is how the fuck did he have a kid? You know, I mm-hmm. want to know. Like what happened in this one they explain it better they say that the grandma took him to a room to meet her and it was an arranged marriage so but what i think happened is that the grandma took him to like a prostitute a you brothel know? Yeah, like that, to, yeah and then i think she got pregnant right mm-hmm. and then they decided to just get married and the reason why there wasn't a wedding is because obviously she's a prostitute mm-hmm. and he's mentally handicapped yeah and I think they just wanted to keep it under wraps, you know, and then it probably was mutually beneficial uh-huh. where the prostitute could maybe live with them at that nice villa or whatever. And um, the grandma was there to take care of them all. So mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. I'm not entirely sure, but that's just my best theory. Yeah, that's an interesting theory, bro, because there was like in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. right, said like, fuck, dude, now like I'm starting to wonder now, like, is Ova not his daughter? Yeah, that could be. But I mm. mean... Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It is, man. Ah, that yeah. shit got me too. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like maybe, uh, maybe this woman was pregnant, and then 
she was looking for help, and mm-hmm. then they had her marry him. Mm-hmm. So I could see that as well. Yeah, they don't really go into though how she died though. I think or, or she, if she died, she died like during giving birth. I think. Oh, I think. Fuck! I gotta go back in the writing then mm-hmm. and pay more closer attention to it then. Yeah. But let's fast forward now, brother. Uh, there's there's a scene where Ascoros Lou is with an inmate. Like mm-hmm. everybody's sleeping, but like Memo happens to be awake, mm-hmm. and an inmate has this like weird instrument. It's mm-hmm. like a guitar, like it's like a string instrument, right? Yeah, the bulaga or bulaga. Yeah, or yeah. Something. I don't know. So this inmate is playing this instrument, but he is given by a uh, like an officer, mm-hmm. right? In this fucking uh, instrument, there is a shank. Yep. And it doesn't really say what happens, but this fucking inmate tries to kill Askorozlu. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, I did it for this person. Yep. Which, now that I think of it, because like going forward into the film, there's a scene where Askorozlu meets his family. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, like the, the illness part, right? And Askorozlu like admits that he killed people. Yeah. So it's got to be like one, a like family member of the person he killed. Well, in all the other versions, and I think this one too, he's like a gang leader too. Mm-hmm. I think so. He's he's done some bad things. He's yeah. hurt people. Obviously, killed people in this one. They say because he even says later on, like I've made people angels, and mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. So I think this was kind of like a gang hit, you know, like yeah. uh, Mister Mister Corleone says hello, you know, kind of thing. Ooh. I think that's what it was. Parallels, brother. Good mm. shit. Well said, brother. Holy shit, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But he, the thing is, like this fucking asshole, tries to stab a Skorzlu. Memo intervenes and he gets fucking stabbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the asshole gets taken away. He gets locked up and shit, and like solitary confinement and stuff like that. But based off of this shit, they start like uh, caring for him, and this is like where they're actually like friends now. Yeah, and shit like that. But but here's the thing, dude. It's like. Like, Memo got jumped by these motherfuckers, yet he still intervened. Because mm-hmm. even though Memo's, like, uh, has a disability, he knows right from wrong, man. Yeah. And it's a theme throughout the movie. That even the grandma says, she's like, your father's a good person. Mm-hmm. The theme here is that, yes, he's mentally challenged, but he is a good person. He He's never done anything bad to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And this is reinforcing that, like, he stepped in to save Asuka, is what I'll call him, because I, I have a <laughs> good as Lou, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he saves them without a second thought. Like, it's not even, it's just like a, a genuine, good hearted thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of this, bro, uh, Askorozlu is prompted now. Mm-hmm. Now that he sees that perhaps he's innocent from yes. all the shit that happened, mm-hmm. he gets a hold of a friend and he says, Hey, I need you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. I need you to go to where Ova and Memo live. I need you to get your daughter and I need you to sneak her in here. Yep. Which is some shit right there, dude. Mm-hmm. How dangerous that shit is. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's sure enough what happens. Here's the thing. Is that she leaves a note for Fatma, mm-hmm. her grandmother, right? Yep. Get into that a little later. But basically, the, the 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 note says, I'm going to find my dad. I need to meet with him and shit mm-hmm. like that. But then he get, she gets sneaked in to eventually happen, right? Like, she gets sneaked in. Uh, I thought the officers did a shit job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you see a little kid here. You're not getting, like, how do you not have your fucking eyes on her? <laughs> and then a door fucking just opens. Yep. They put her in a fucking food cart with, like, fucking blankets or drapes and shit mm. over it. And then that's how she gets into the cell. It looked a little too convenient for my liking. You should uh, see the Korean one. It's a, it's a, <laughs> oh, lot, it's a lot worse. <laughs> oh, shit. But that, that part, like, fucking got me, though. Just how they were all reunited and shit uh-huh. like that. Um. Again, Memo's like acting is just so superb here. Uh, the mm-hmm. gentleman that plays Memo, uh, so sad. I fucking loved it, man. It's good shit right here. 
uh, Ova tells Memo about the deserter, right? And then he's like, hey, you, I have a witness. I, I saw someone in, up in the ruins. Uh, there's someone that saw that you're innocent to where all the inmates are fucking hearing this shit. And they're mm. like, holy shit. Like, he is, like, innocent. We got to get a hold of, like, the chief warden that we fucking finds out. And when we, he gets the fuck out of here. Um, and then it goes back to Fama finding the letter mm-hmm. that, or the note, excuse me, that, that, uh, Ova left yeah. and fucking, she dies of a heart attack, brother. That made me so fucking sad. Yeah. And it's sad too, because earlier in the film, we, we forgot to mention, mm-hmm. she has a conversation with Ova about how, you know, Ova says like, you know, my mom, she became an angel. Um, who's going to take care of me if my dad doesn't come back. And then yeah. you can see the the sadness in the grandma's face mm-hmm. when she says, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll be here till you grow up. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like one of those, it's one of those tough things that they really do touch on in this film is like, especially having like a handicapped child is that there's a huge burden on the, the, in this case is the grandmother, right. Mm-hmm. Um, to take care of special needs people for, you're already on a clock, right? Yeah. The parents should always outlive the children, right? But yes. it's it's just really hard. And so this scene really hits home uh-huh. when she says, like, don't worry, child. I'll, I'll be here till you grow up. And then you can see in her face that she's even uncertain. She's like, yeah. she's like, I'm old. You know, I'm, I'm trying to stay old enough for Memo. Yeah. And now, you know, the young child, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. But what fucked me up about the scene when she died, though, dude, mm-hmm. was that not only did she die with like never really seeing memo again mm-hmm. now she has the uncertainty of knowing what happened to ova exactly yeah and it just ah oh, dude it was just it wasn't fair to her man because she was such a kind and genuine person mm-hmm. that to go out like that just fucking fucked me up dude yeah but yes uh, ova now is with the inmates dude and this is a scene where like she talks to them about their illness right mm-hmm. because Oscoda's lute tells her like oh ova you need to go now because you know, you, she can't, obviously, she can't fucking stay there. Yep. Right? He's like, and she, Ascotas Lute tells her, he's like, hey, all of us are sick. Your dad will come out when he feels better. Mm-hmm. But obviously, illness is like their way of saying what they're in there for. Yeah. And like, she goes to each and one of them saying, what are what are you? What is your illness? Mm-hmm. To where Ascotas Lute says, oh, I made a lot of angels <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. But then off onto the distance, bro, we see, like, you do see him like, Throughout the film, in the background, uh-huh. you see a gentleman off to the side, always by himself. Yeah, on his bunk, yep. His name is Yusuf. She goes up to him, and someone says, hey, you know, you shouldn't go up to him. Uh, because, And then we don't really know what he does quite yet, but he's about to say what's going to happen. And all he says is, well, I have a daughter. And then it fucking cuts off. Mm-hmm. It goes to like a scene of like a tree, right? Yes. Right, bro. And then, like uh, on his wall, he, it looks like he tried to carve the tree mm-hmm. of this. And then we end up finding later what happens. A little more on that, a little later, and shit mm-hmm. like that. But it's like, okay, like so. Let's remember Yusuf right there, man. He does come into effect. And let's also remember the the suicide shit that we had talked about earlier mm-hmm. with one of the intimates they said about the afterlife and stuff like that. It does come very important. Uh, the next. Oh, one thing I did mention about this is that the chief warden Nile. Uh, he gets a tip saying that the daughter is there. How the fuck did he get a tip, though? My only thing about this is like, if, is was there somebody saying like, oh hey, there was a daughter, there was a little girl here. Now we don't see her. Now you need to fucking. It's like you need to be more about like they need to be more on top of that shit. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just like, how, how the fuck like did did he get this fucking tip? 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, at this point, I think I missed that that part in this one. The other ones are a bit more ridiculous. Mm. It's it was more <laughs> it was more comical how they they found the daughter in the other ones. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, brother. So then, like, because of this, it prompts him to go into the cell, and this is where like he finds Ova. Like it was like a game of hide and seek and shit like that, uh-huh. right? Um, so because of this, dude, Ascotos Lou tells the warden of the deserter that Ova had told them about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need to find this fucking deserter because Memo does not deserve to fucking be here. He's innocent. All right. So then Ova, she ends up going back home. And uh, right there, the teacher, Mine, is waiting for her. And this is where he tells her that Fama had died. Yeah. Right. Ah, that shit was so sad. So because of this, like, Mine, what a good person she is, man. She is a teacher. Right, and then she takes on the responsibility of taking over now. Mm. Good for her. She was a wonderful person, in my opinion. She was a great character as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to go forward, brother. Uh, the warden finds the fucking deserter just to kind of like fast forward things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the chief warden goes to take Ova back, uh, to her home, and that's what, like you just mentioned. They find Mine. Yep. But then, like he, there's like these two guys that tell him like, I forget what the fuck they're talking about, but it makes him go out into the ruins and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know what the fuck they said, bro? That like went over me. I think uh, they the warden says peace be with you, right? And then because the people are going to the grandma's home or you know Ova and Memo's home, mm-hmm. and they he asks about hey are there ruins around here? Because Ova had mentioned that there was the deserter in the mm-hmm. ruins. They call it the one eyed between Ova and Memo. They call it the one eyed monster, right? Yeah. Because there's a rock that has looks like it has one eye. Yeah. And that's where the ruins are. So he finds out where the ruins are from these people just by asking them by mm-hmm. chance and then he goes and that's when he's looking around he doesn't see anything and then he shines the light and he sees the glimmer of the gun mm-hmm. he's like oh she was telling the truth there's like a, a rifle here and... all the belongings mm-hmm. yep. that he hidden see this is like my my bit of a flaw it's like if this fucking deserter mm-hmm. like uh I, okay sure he fucking hid them what are the odds that they find them it's like wouldn't you want to take that shit and put it somewhere else though no, I guess that was a place he he found where somewhere else was. He just was like, oh, there's uh, some rocks here. I'll just bury them. Eh, he didn't do a good job, dude. Yeah. I mean, the fucking dude found it in seconds. I mean, he should have thrown it in the ocean, right? But they were <laughs> yeah. surrounded by <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like, there's a, the, we just talked about how beautiful and gorgeous the scenery was. There's a uh-huh. fucking ocean out there, dude. Uh-huh. Throw it out there. <laughs> Fuck. But anyways, brother. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then to go back. All right. So he fucking says, like, holy shit. He was telling the truth. We need to find this fucking deserter now. Because not only do we need to find him for this, because he went AWOL mm-hmm. and shit like that. All right? Then they go back to a scene with the distant inmate, Yusuf. And this is where he admits that he killed his daughter. Yep. And then he buried her under a tree. And on the wall, there's a, there's like a, kind of like a picture that he carved on mm-hmm. the wall of a tree. Yeah. And he buried his daughter under the tree that looked, that's reminiscent to it. And so this is where the afterlife talk comes in with the other inmate. And he tells him, if you hurt your own daughter, then you have to help another child. Mm-hmm. And that comes into effect much later, man. But yes. And then um, to me, this was kind of like not really a scene, dude. It's like a Lou visits with his family. What the fuck was the point of this, dude? Uh, well, earlier he gets his wife. What's her name? Hatsy? Yeah. Uh, he gets her to smuggle in Ova. Yeah, and she's all mad because she's she accuses that of being like her uh, his love child, right? Uh-huh. But anyways, uh, this scene later on when uh, Hatsy comes back with his actual children because he has two sons and a daughter, mm-hmm. 
And his wife, she was saying like, oh, you're a piece of shit pretty much because you never want them to see you in here. But he has a change of heart now that he sees how good of a father that Memo is. Yeah. Because he's pure of heart, right? Yeah. And he's like, maybe I shouldn't be a piece of shit and I need to just to like change my ways pretty much. So he tells her to bring all the kids and even they say like, hey, daddy, can it be my turn next time? Because mm. they want him to come in turns, I guess. But he's like, no, you know what? All of you come. And he's like crying. And he's like, once I get out, I'm going to take my brother's boat. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty much like never going to, I'm going to be a father now. Oh, shit. So he has like a change of heart. I didn't hear that part, bro, about mm-hmm. a boat. Yeah, because he says like, when I get out of here, I've been thinking about it. I'm going to take my brother's boat and, you know, oh. fish or whatever. And he's pretty much saying that he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be a gangster anymore and be in prison. That makes more sense now. Hmm? Now will we know what happens in the end and shit. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that a little later. Hmm. Holy shit. Oh shit. I didn't I completely missed that part, bro. Hmm? I thought it was a pointless scene. I was like, <laughs> this whole part could be shaved off. No, it was No, just, it's okay. It's yeah, just yeah. to bring out more of his like uh character as well than Yeah, and, and growing up, yeah. Mm. But then it goes into the next scene where Ola's already back into the fucking cell. Mm-hmm. So it's like, holy shit, she's been sneaked in again. Mm-hmm. Right, and then, oh, this was so sad. This is when he she tells Memo that Fama is dead. That was so fucking sad. Dude, the way he reacted, yeah. he tried he tried to distract himself by like washing his hands or something, mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough, man. All right, and to fast forward now, dude, what a piece of shit Aiden is, dude, because the deserter is found. Yep, and dude, he he shoots and kills the deserter. Yep. So now this this makes it as a prompt like Memo's gonna be executed, man. Mm-hmm. The only fucking witness he had, it's gone. But the thing that I liked in the detail about this is that Aiden tells the deserter, right, tell me everything you know. Yeah. And then once he brings up the backpack, because th- th- those are some fucking deep details, dude, mm-hmm. that even he knew about the backpack. Yeah. And if you can hear it, bro, as soon as he said backpack, he fucking cocked the fucking gun. Well, I already knew it was going to happen as yeah. soon as I saw this, because when he tells the guards to go away, it's uh, reminiscent of the Shawshank Redemption. Mm. You remember that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. When uh, the warden tells him, Oh, come out and have a smoke with me. And yeah. he tells the guards to go away. So I'm like, oh, he's going to shoot this fool. And as soon as he starts saying like, oh, you know, yeah, I saw what happened or whatever. And he walks behind him I'm like, yeah, he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And because Aiden at this point, he's just a scorned father. He wants vengeance. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the truth. He just wants to kill somebody for his daughter's death. By the way, dude, mm-hmm. that Shawshank Redemption dude, Mr. Krabs shot him, dude. Yeah, Mr. Krabs. Clancy Brown. Dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next scene, brother. We get to a scene where... Memo is with the chief warden, Nile, uh-huh. Ova, and Mine. And then they start looking outside because the execution is coming near. Yeah. Uh, fucking painful scene right here because he has to basically lie to her, yeah. to Ova saying, oh, like, oh, I'm not going to get executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Dad was a good person. Yep. Good people. It doesn't happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the actual execution day. You see Memo. He's wearing a nice fucking khaki suit. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying goodbye to the all the inmates, mm-hmm. and he's hanged. Yep. Although you don't fucking see his face and shit like that. All right. And then it goes to Mine with Ova, who's at home, and a fucking jeep pulls up, and out of the jeep comes Farouk and the chief warden Nile. And then it goes into a flashback, brother. And this is where shit just happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The distant inmate Yusuf. The one that we already know his backstory now that he killed his daughter. Mm. He volunteers to be executed in place of Memo. Mm. And because of this, a massive riot is organized. Aiden, on the way to the execution, is in a car. And now Skoda's loose friend that snuck in uh, Ova mm-hmm. purposely crashes it so it delays him from being there. Yep. 
they say, hey, it's time. He's not here. They say, fuck it. Do it anyway. Yep. And then you see Yusuf fucking uh, blindfolded and hangs himself, man. And he takes it for fucking Memo. Yep. To back up to what the, the gentleman said in the, in the afterlife. Where he said, if you hurt your own daughter or your child, you have to help another. Mm. And fuck, that just hit me, brother. Mm. In this case, he's helping Ova being reunited with Memo. Yep. And now, going back to the scene, when the jeep pulls up with Farouk and the chief warden, there comes fucking Memo comes out. Ova's reunited with them. They're home. Mm-hmm. They get on a boat, which what you mentioned now, brother, is probably the boat that Ascuru's loose brother oh, has, right? You know, I never thought of that. Yeah, it could be. Why else would they bring that up then, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. why it, you hit me, brother, with like a ton of, like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I didn't put that together. Yeah. And then they say, like, and then Farouk even asks, like, like uh, Ova. He's like, all right. So he pretty much, like, quizzes her. All right, what are you going to say when you get here? What are you going to say here? He's like, oh, he's fucked up. He's He's got a disability because soldiers attacked him or something like mm. that. And then they get on this boat and they take off for asylum. He's escaped. Miracle in cell number seven. That's how it ends, brother. Yep. But here is the gripe I have with it. Is that yep. in the very beginning, when Ola has her wedding, mm-hmm. right? To me, dude, I just think it would have been even fucking better, dude. It would have probably almost made me cry. Let's say if like they fast forward to her walking down the aisle mm-hmm. and there's a an, a lot older memo right there like in a suit about to walk her down the aisle and mm-hmm. they made it together. Okay. That to me would have, because they never bring the wedding back up, dude. Yeah, I don't remember the wedding, but I do remember they do show older Ola again before the very last scene. And actually, now that I think about it, because I was pretty tired last night, <laughs> um, they she's standing in front of a coffin. And there's flowers on it. So I think she's at the funeral of a memo. Yeah. Oh. So I don't I don't remember the wedding part, but I do remember that she's standing there and she's like teary eyed and she's in front of a coffin with flowers. And it's it's I'm assuming it's memo or father. Fuck. But um, yeah, that's all I got. And then the last scene, as you described, happens. Uh-huh. I guess that's I kind of appreciate that, too, because mm-hmm. it's not one of those films that they they hold your hand. Mm-hmm. And they take you to what happens. It's like yeah. you have to figure it out for yourself, type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And dude, that movie ended, and I and I said, "Wow, like what a what a good movie this was, man!" Mm-hmm. Like I very much enjoyed it. It's like two hours long, okay. so it's a bit lengthy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it goes over, but I genuinely enjoyed it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I we'll get into our like uh, overall thoughts in a little bit, but really quickly. But I just want to get to some movies that. Uh, uh, not from the actors and actresses, because like I don't know like anything from them. This is okay. everything's completely new. Uh, there, there are two Turkish films that I would recommend if you liked Miracle and Sun Number Seven. That you should go out of your way. Uh, the first one is The Edge of Heaven. Uh, came out, I believe, two thousand seven. Not quite sure, but around like the two thousands. Uh, the film is about a uh, a man who finds a prostitute, mm-hmm. and she like, tries to keep her in hiding and shit like that. But then the prostitute dies, and he finds out that the prostitute has a daughter, so he's out looking for her. Mm. Yeah, it it was a very good movie. Um, you know how I am with foreign films, brother. Yeah. So check out the Edge of Heaven, and the last film I have, and I actually have this movie in my collection. It is Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, mm. a fucking underrated fucking film. I almost wanted to review it, but uh, it's very long though, bro. 
So I was like, for your own sake, I did it for you so that we didn't have that to was watch it. was very long, like 10 commandments long? Or uh, fucking Magnolia <laughs> long. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, but that that's just basically like about a group of guys who are in search of a dead body. Okay. It's like two hours. It's almost three hours long, dude. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's basically Stand By Me. I was going to say. From, from older people. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, out in like Turkey. Older version of Stand By Me? Yeah. <laughs> I so, just watched that recently, too. <laughs> oh, I did, too, man. It's a sick flag, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the last one I want to get into, I actually am not going to because I'm just going to say, look forward in season five. We've got a Turkish film we're going to review in season five. So be on the lookout for that. All right, brother. What do you say, brother? We gave our overall thoughts. Let's do it, man. Do it, dude. Do you want to go first? You tell me, brother. Sure, I'll go first. Sounds good. So when I I first watched this movie, I was watching the Korean version. I got two-thirds of the way through, as I mentioned previously a couple times. Um, I didn't really enjoy that version. Hmm. I was ready to give this movie, based off that, because I thought that's what it was, a four, maybe oh, a five. <laughs> Fuck. And then I started watching the Philippines version, and that one was like almost a scene-for-scene scene exact hmm. copy of the other one. So I was like, eh. And then when I finally got the Turkish one, I was like, all right, this one is definitely more serious, more thought out, makes more sense. It's not, it, it, there's not really a whole lot of funny parts in it. Um, the scenery is beautiful. The cinematography I like better. I feel like it was overall like a better shot mm -hmm. production movie. I liked the acting. I liked all the characters in this one. There was a lot of differences in the Turkish one versus the, the Korean one. Um, but overall it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than the Korean one, which is weird because usually remakes are worse. Mm -hmm. This one was made in 2019. The original was in 2013. Mm. But like I said, uh, this one is the one I would recommend to watch this movie. I could see myself watching it again. I'm going to give this one a solid 7 out of 10. Nice, brother. Fuck yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Yeah. I'm sure, sure it is. Liz appreciates it as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably a little bit lower, too, because it was my third time <laughs> uh, after a long, hard week of work late at night watching it. But this one was enjoyable. Blessing in disguise, bro, because I think it, this version made you appreciate it even more because of yeah. all the shitty ones. Yeah, it, it was a lot different. Yeah. All right, so I'll give you my overall thoughts, brother. Mm -hmm. So overall, very solid film. Acting-wise, this was fucking great, especially Memo. He was excellent in this. Like I mentioned before, uh, his uh, mannerisms and everything, I do know of, of this because of my decade-long experience working with the handicap. Very fantastic shit there. Uh, the story was very interesting, and it had genuine characters in it, man. I thought Fatma was an amazing character, man. She was the embodiment of what a caring person should be. Um, you know, the thing I got to say, dude, is that I almost had it in elite range. Mm -hmm. And this is why I had to knock it down a point because the title of the movie gave it away. Hmm. You fucking knew that it was gonna have it was gonna end happy. Hmm. Miracle and Son number seven doesn't mean they're gonna get caught. Yeah. So never in the in the fucking time that I watched it was I ever fooled by it. I knew what was <laughs> gonna happen. I it was just one thing like seeing it. Yeah. So because of that, I was never like um I, yeah, I did mention like it pulled at my heartstrings and shit because hmm. some of the scenes were fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. But I knew what was gonna happen. Okay. The title itself ruined it for me. Huh. And that's not like a knock on the characters and shit like that. It's just like, yeah, I wasn't fooled one bit. Yeah. Maybe if they named it something different, then yeah. I would have, you know, then I would have been more invested in it. But I knew it was going to happen. Okay. But overall, brother, I am also going to give it a 7 out of 10, man. Nice. I fucking really enjoyed this film. A shout out to our, the homegirl. It is Liz. Bottoms up, Liz. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this ama amazing recommendation. And the beers. And the beers, both of them. 
Uh, Moosehead Lager is fucking fantastic, man. I've been drinking more of that during this episode, man. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to end it right there, brother. Yeah, let's Fuck do it. yeah. Next week's episode is fucking our Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. We got a Christmas episode for the holidays. Yep. Ho, ho, holy shit. <laughs> Tis the season, brother. It's almost been a year, man, since the very first episode. Damn. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah. Damn. So we're going to end it right there, brother. Shout out to all of you, man. 23 countries, brother. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Let's somehow let's get this thing bigger. And it doesn't it doesn't happen without you guys spreading the word for it. All right. So much love to all of you. Please join us next week. Remember to be kind one another. Much love to all of you. Peace. Mwah. See you later. Thank you again for sticking with us to the very end. Please join us next week for a review of a Christmas movie for the holidays. And that movie is Jingle All the Way, film directed by Brian Levant. Don't forget to put the cookies down and watch the movie and then join us for the discussion portion of the show. Love to all and bottoms up.